Hey, welcome back. This is the Sunless Citadel Adventure, and I am the host, the Dungeon Master, and the player. We are doing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition Solo Mode. So, this is Session 2. And, on Session 1, we met the player. His name is Dempsey. He is a halfling ranger, and he is with his dog, Dexter. They arrived in Oakhurst in search of the healing fruit, because they need to save their governor, who has been poisoned by the Cult of the Dragon. So, they are on a time crunch. However, he was sadly informed that Oakhurst does not have that fruit. However, they buy it from goblins, which are not far. So, he made his way over to where the goblins are, which is about seven miles from town, and they went down into a sunken ravine in search of that citadel, which is where those goblins are. But, before he left for the citadel, he was also asked to keep an eye out for some missing adventurers that left about a month ago in that same direction. So if you were to find those missing adventurers, you'd be paid handsomely. And we left off last. Dempsey made his way down to the Citadel, and he was met by three giant rats. So, here we go. This is our very first battle encounter. Let's go. To set the stage, you just lowered yourself about 50 or 60 feet. You and your dog, you are on a sandy ledge. You have about 20 feet by 30 feet of space here and there's a staircase straight ahead, and those are where the rats are coming from. There we go. I've already made the initiative rolls to save some time. And rat number two is up first. So rat number two scurries from halfway up the staircase and moves all the way over to Dempsey. So he's going to attack Dempsey first. So two of the rats are coming up the staircase, and one is kind of coming out of some rubble on the same level. So let's make an attack roll for bite. Five... Plus four, nine. So he misses the first one. So that will take us to Dempsey. So Dempsey, even though he is a ranger and is best with his bow, he's going to pull out his hand axe and give it a crack at giant rat number two who is at his feet right now. Hand axe. So an 11 plus four, 15, that is successful. So let's roll damage, 1d6 plus two. He rolled as high as he possibly can, so one big old whoosh, crack. Slapped that rat right in the dang skull, cracked it in half, and it just lets off a nasty little shriek and plops to the ground right in front of him. So, hell yeah, one down, two to go. Here I was, afraid. Alright, so now rat number one, who is in the rubble, is going to scurry up towards Dempsey. And it would have been huge here if that rat didn't die, because they have um, advantage if they're within five feet of their allies. So he's going to make another bite attack at Dempsey. Godly. Two. No. Misses. Lunges at Dempsey's feet and goes right between it. And Dempsey kind of high steps and moves to the side. So that leaves us two. Giant rat number three who makes his way up here and is now going to attack Dempsey. And this rat does have advantage because he is within five feet. So all three rats are, ooh, natural 20. Um, yeesh. So d4. So roll this. Alright, so a 3 and a 4 is so a 7 plus 2. So 9 points of damage. And that was why I was worried of the rats. Because they have a lot of advantage. So just like that, 9 points of damage. He just lunges and grabs a hold of the meaty section of, of uh, Dempsey's thigh and just latches down. And that one's just Dexter. So Dexter, the Mastiff, does have some some abilities here. Um, 
It looks like he has only one attack, which is bite. So let's just do that. And if it hits, it hits. So 17 plus the three. So 20 easily hits. Um, and if the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 11 strength saving throw or be knocked prone. Um, so let's say he attacks giant rat number three. Um, giant rat number three. And giant rat number three has to make a DC strength throw. Let's see what it is. Which, I mean, it rolled a natural 11. Um, plus the... No, no, oh, wow. I was, gonna, I was just going to say that was a success, but it's not. Um, minus two for strength. So, um, giant rat number three is not prone. I'll put a ring around him. So I remember that. So three is prone. Okay, Dempsey is going to make a a crack at huh, crack at Giant Rat three, which I don't think I ever even added the damage that he did. Um, so I got to roll that, which is a one d six plus one. So who knows? He might even be dead right now. All right, so four, so minus four to Rat three. Okay, so he's going to take so Dempsey the Ranger is going to take another crack with his hand axe at the weak Rat. Rat number three, which is plus four to hit, rolled a four and eight. So a miss <laughs> hits the dirt. And that will bring us up to um, rat number one, who is going to make another attack at Dempsey with advantage. I didn't move Dempsey because the opponents would get an attack of opportunity, so he's kind of staying where he is. So 13. Um, Plus the plus four that will hit. So let me roll a d4. Well, I no, actually there's advantage, so let's roll it again. Nope. Okay. One. I was gonna see if it was a natural twenty, then I would have to double it. Um, roll a one, so three. Um, so rat number one bites down on, on Dempsey here. A little nibble, a little bite of the calf, and he takes three three damage here. So yeah, just like that, things aren't looking all so hot for the old ranger. That goes to rat number rat number three. Now let's take a look at the rules for prone. Let's just see. In the D&D basic rules for 5e it says, when the, for 5e for it says that when prone you may spend half your movement. Okay, so he'll spend half his movement to stand up, so it doesn't do anything. Um, so rat number three is going to bite at Dexter the dog this time. He has advantage. That was a uh, that was a one. That was a three. They both miss. That takes us to Dex. Dex is going to try to finish what he started. He's going to attack the weak rat here, the one that just tried to bite him. Nope. Just four miss. Scrapes into the dirt. The two the rat and the dog are kind of rustling around right now in the dirt, basically. So that brings us to Dempsey. Dempsey is going to, for the third time, make an attack. He's going to hopefully hit the one that um, Dex is rustling around with now. He's going to use his axe again. Man, a nine. Misses. Maybe I should have used my spell here, and I should have, um, should have used that Hunter's Mark. I thought we would get away with this, but turns out, no. That brings us over to rat number one, who is untouched. Rat number one is going to attack Dempsey, who is very weak right now, mind you. 17, which will hit. Rolling again to see if we get a natural 20. Did not. 
so 17. Not looking good. Two, four, minus four. Yeesh. Hmm. That is not good. So, boom. Rat number one jumps up and strikes again, biting uh, poor Dempsey right here, right in the flank, right in the side, and taking a little piece off of his armor and puncturing some of his skin. So that will drop us down to old rat number three, who's wrestling here with Dex, which will succeed here. 14 and a one. 14 will hit. Poor, poor Dex here. He's gonna get bit. All right, which is a two and a four. So both both people here looking pretty beat up here. Takes us over to Dempsey. Ah, boy. I'm gonna use it. I'm going to use, well, that doesn't really help us. I'm gonna use my hand axe again here and try to get rat number three. 14. 14 plus the whatever. I know I hit it. Um, let's see what the damage is here. 1d6 plus two, and 5 plus the two, seven. So crack, right in the spine. Dempsey swings his hand axe and strikes, even though it was kind of a risky shot because the two were wrestling. Rat number three is now eliminated. So that brings us to Dex. Dex is still kind of rolling around in the dirt with this dead rat, realizes that he's no longer a threat and is going to lunge towards rat number one, who is untouched, mind you, 10. 10 plus what? 10 plus 3, 13. That is enough. That is enough to hit the rat. So let's see what he does here. So he rolls a 2 plus the 1. So 3. So rat got attacked by my poor old Dex here. Took a nice little chunk out of that rat. Now the rat and the dog are are engaged in combat, and that will make um, the rat roll to see if he gets away with not being prone, and he is knocked prone. We rolled a natural 9 minus the 2, 7. So the rat is now on the ground, the rat is going to have a hard time running away if he wants. And the rat is going to make another another attack on, actually, and that falls back on, falls back on Dempsey, it's now Dempsey's turn. Alrighty, let's see. Dempsey's going to attempt to swing his axe down here. 11 plus 4, he hits. So let's see here. Can we do it? 1d6 plus 2. 4. So even though he's quite the marksman, Dempsey never needed his bow. He's going to take one last swing with his hand axe and just cleave, kind of with the broad side of his axe, his hatchet here, and just crack the skull of that rat. And the rat's going to go scurrying across the, the ground and land right in the old abandoned fireplace, the fire pit. And that is where he lays. So that will end the combat with a narrow escape. <sighs> Not much health left on either characters. But nonetheless, it is a success. Oof. You all right there, Dex? Ugh. Dempsey kicks over one of the rats. And he takes a look at um, his dog, Dexter, here. See how he's doing. Uh, Dexter is uh, he's a little beat up, but he's, he's doing better than Dempsey. And uh, Dexter's 
kind of latches down on one of the dead rats and just kind of shakes it around like a chew toy. Oh, jeez. Those things are actually massive. And if you look at these giant rats, I mean, they're about the size of a, I mean, not Dexter's huge, but about a, you know, size of a small dog, basically. So, I mean, these are unusually large size rats. Oh, man. These things are ridiculously huge. Here, Dex, spit that out. You don't know what it's been. Oh, let me cook that first, at least. So, um, Dempsey grabs the rest of the rats. There was already one in that old fire fire pit. Um, and yeah, make a survival check at that fire pit here. Let's see what we got here. So, an 11. Plus the old one. So, so 12. Um, that fire pit looks as though it's it's been used for, you know, you know hundreds of, of fires. It means just really old ash and stones have been collected there and kind of crumbled away. But you can tell it's been used for over and over and over for a while. But it's probably been at least two years or so since it's been used to last. But um, nonetheless, you throw the two extra rats on top of the, the third rat, and they are sitting in that um, fire pit. And you you look around and, Hey, Dex, do me a favor. See if you can pick up on the scent of those two kids. So, so Dex follows your lead and starts sniffing around and pacing around that ledge you're on. Um, and you, you kind of kick some kindling over and you have some, some basic tinder um, in your pouch, in your bag, and you kind of get ready to prepare a fire in there. Um, as you're doing so, you kind of peer off the ledge. And um, while Dex is doing his job, um, what you kind of see from, the, from high up is a, a fortress emerges from the darkness, the subterranean citadel. Though impressive, seems long forgotten. If the lightless windows, cracked crenellations, and leaning towers are any indication, all is quiet, though a cold breeze blows up from below, bringing with it the scent of dust and a faint trace of rot. I think we're alone for the most part now, but I'll do one more pass over here to make sure there's no more giant rats. So you continue to kind of circle around the ledge you're on, and you're on this top ledge, ledge number one, um, and there's a you know a set of stairs that kind of lead down to the second level, and then all the way down to the bottom. But looks like you're kind of at the beginning of kind of the downward spiral into the into the citadel. You can see kind of the roof of some of the citadel. Um, most likely where you're going to end up here in a minute. But um, you do your pass, and you don't notice really any problems. But uh, while Dexter was doing his job, he has to make a, a survival check with advantage because he has keen smell. Rolls a 16 and a 12. Both of those pass. All righty. Um, so what Dexter is able to kind of pick up on and then eventually points you towards it, um, his check does reveal humanoid footprints as well as tracks of unusually large size rats. Um, and you check the rats that you've kind of thrown in the fire pit here. And um, those, those tracks match up except for another set. Some of the footprints um, look as though it's even larger rat than the two than the three you have in that pit. So it does, does make you a little uneasy knowing that there's possibly even larger rats. But um, it does look like you are in the right direction possibly. I mean, Dexter was able to pick up on humanoid foot tracks, you know, and it, they seem rather recent the more you look at them now. So, though, though it's not a very, um, you know, inviting place to be, it does seem as though you're on the right path, so it is a little, a little 
um, a little welcoming, knowing that it seems like you you are in the right area. Um, and now you are going to probably do your best to light that small little fire. Um, not that you really want to eat giant rats anymore for Dexter, but um, you were beat up. Um, you were very beat up. I mean, your armor is going to need some little bit of sewing if you have any with you. Some patching up to do. If you have a belt, maybe you can slide a little higher up on your armor piece and kind of keep it attached a little better, but you were bleeding. So you're going to bandage your wounds. You're going to light that fire. You're going to smoke those rats. Let them cook out and hopefully kind of do away with all the diseases and whatnot that they have. And you'll throw those pieces to, to Dexter now and again. He'll able to, to kind of recoup his, his energy, but you're going to take a short rest here. And um, so let's do it. Let's take the old short rest. Let's see what we got here. Alrighty. So, <laughs> alrighty. So you're able to recoup your wounds, and same with with uh, your dog here, Dex. So you're going to spend the hour or so here, sitting by by the fire here. Maybe a rather small fire. You don't want to give away your position if you can help it. Um, but all is quiet. At the moment, all is quiet, and you're kind of going through your in your mind at least what the next few steps are going to be for you. Um, if the you know goblins and other creatures down here are, are half as vicious as these these rats, you know that you have a, a rather long a long trip ahead of you. But uh, you push on because you know that your governor Nighthill is in dire need, and so is Greenus. So you take your rest. Alrighty, Dex. As you look over at your dog, he seems to be having the time of his life, really, just gnawing on these rats and, and eating. I mean, he did a good job eating pretty much most of an entire these, you know, almost an entire rat. It was a dog-sized rat, so he did a pretty good job. Um, mind you, a lot of the fur and all that stuff kind of cooked off when he had it in the fire. But right at, right now, he's basically just gnawing on bones at this point. You hop up on your feet. Um, you cover what's left of the smoldering fire with that dust and dirt, and you put it out. Um, at this point, you recouped about 75% of your health. So you're not full health, but you are way better off than where you were. Um, Dex is at full health. Mind it, he, you know, he doesn't have a ton of health, but he's back at 100%. So he's doing good. Um, plus he was wearing a harness, you know, and mount. So for the most part, he's, he's pretty well covered, you know, armor-wise. Your leather armor is a little beat up, but you've, you've done a decent job during that hour or two. Actually, probably just one hour of fixing it. So, um, and in that time, you used your spell, which is good berry. So you prepared 10 pieces of food. Um, we'll say for rural playing purposes, some of it's a mixture of this rat, um, some dried rabbit, and then some berries that you picked along the way. So you have 10 pieces of, of berry here, basically 10 pieces of healing um, that will last you the rest of the day here. And you used your two short rests. So um, hopefully you... You don't need to do much more, but I doubt that'll happen because um, we're just beginning. So you make your way towards the staircase and you start heading down quietly this time. Um, so as you start walking down these series of staircases, a couple hundred feet in total, um, the narrow stairs empty into a small courtyard, apparently at the top of what was once a crenellated battlement. The buried citadel has sunk so far into the earth that the battlement is now level with the surrounding floor. The floor stretches away to the north and south, composed of a layer of treacherous, crumbled masonry, which reaches to an unknown depth. To the west looms the surviving structure of what must be the sunless citadel. 
A tower stands on the west side of the courtyard. Alrighty, so you are at the courtyard. Um, it's a rather large sized courtyard. You hear the occasional creaks and, and, and rats scurrying around. No, no signs of those giant rats, but just kind of smaller, you know, mouse sized rats at this point. Normal sized ones, I guess. Um, make a survival check here. Okay, five less than. Alrighty. So, I mean, if you look straight ahead, which is to the west, there's really, really only one door. And it looks like that is where the sunken citadel really begins. So, you start making your way across the floor, and um, you are standing on some uneven masonry, and it starts to kind of crumble at your feet. Dexter is right behind you, and he, he's almost struggling as well. Uh, make one more survival check here. Alrighty, three. Plus the one, four. So you are, you are struggling to move your way through this thing easily um, as you look to the ground, even though you're very light and your dog's, you know, bigger than you, I guess, but you know, the two of you combined are about the size of a human. Um, you're definitely struggling. So the, the floor underneath you starts to crack and Whoa. give way, and you start sliding your feet go into the... Um, make a... Make a dexterity saving throw. Dexterity saving throw. Alrighty, ten which is just enough um, so you're able to catch yourself right before you kind of slip in um, and as you kind of stop and you brace your feet with um, the crumbling floor beneath you giving way there's a space between kind of your butt and where your feet are and there's about like a foot gap and the, the rocks and stones kind of tumble through there and um, you hear what sounds like a giant rat possibly two in there squealing and you kind of catch with your with a little glance of your eye, you can see that there's um, another corpse down there, possibly. It almost looks like a trap, but you scoot backwards. Oh, this place is a nightmare. I'm going to have to take it a little slower here, I think. So you, you kind of backpedal, and you kind of hug the wall, and you kind of circle um, from south and work all your way up to the west. Um, make another. Alright, that time it was 19. So, rather light on your feet now. Moving with purpose, but you're moving a little slower, maybe. And carefully, you and Dex make your way to the door, and you, you open it. And it's, it's not locked, it's actually kind of halfway open. And you swing the door open quietly, and move your way inside the sunken citadel. From inside the circular building of the, or circular room of the sunless citadel, the wooden door quietly opens in the corner. A young halfling male slides through the open doorway, ever so quietly. His dog at his side. The ranger is wearing a a dark green cloak, some leather armor underneath, a long bow is clutched in his left hand, with the arrow already knocked. Hanging to his right side is his hand axe. Hey, Diggs, take a look around. I want you to, to be quiet, but see if you can pick up on those on the tracks of those kids we're looking for. And uh, let me know if you hear anything, but be quiet. Dempsey slides through the doorway completely and scans the room. The circular area is cobbled with cracked granite, upon which sprawl the bodies of four goblins, apparently slain in combat. One corpse stands with its back against the western wall. The spear that killed it still skewered it and holding it upright. Three wooden doors lead from this area. A hollow tower of loose masonry reaches 30 feet into the air. But the intervening floors and stairs are gone, except for a couple crumbled ledges. 
All right, Dex, keep looking. I'm going to check out these bodies. All right, so make a investigation check here. All right, three. Well done. Let's see what your plus is. Plus one, four. And it doesn't take much to see if the goblins have anything here. Um, I mean, you can tell that they've been dead for a little bit. I mean, you're still pretty familiar with, with hunting and, and you, you know, just trapping in general. How long if you leave a, a rabbit, you know, in the trap for too long? Um, you can tell the bodies have been looted. At least you're unable to find anything. For all you know, they don't have anything. Um, it looks like behind the the corpse of the one that is st strung up against the wall with the spear, it looks like there might be something written behind it. Or it might just be dried blood. I would make one more investigation check. Yeah, it looks like dried blood. At this point, your dog, Dex, is, is pointing at the door to the northwest. So you've kind of circled around. You've passed one door to the southwest, and you're, you're making your way up towards Dex. What is it, boy? And at this point, um, you hear something faint coming through the wooden doorway. Once again, it's, it's wooden. You know, these are old buildings, clearly. Um, so they're not airtight by any means. They're not latched very tightly. So uh, Dex, your dog, is, is kind of going a little a little crazy. He's definitely, you know, doing his best to to inform you that there's something coming through that doorway. All right, I'm going to quietly open it. So let's try to make a stealth check as you open this door. All right, 15. Maybe we have a plus three. Yep, you do. So 18. You know, about as quietly as an old wooden door can open, uh, it opens. And you are looking down at a long narrow, not super narrow, but um, compared to the building, you were, the room you were just in, about 10 feet wide. Um, it looks like there's a door to your left, a door to your right, you know, almost at the end, and then straight ahead there's another door. Um, all wooden doors. And uh, you definitely hear something now. All right, Dex, I hear it, I hear it. And Dex starts walking forward towards the first door. You know, the obvious door all the way to the end. Oh, gosh. You, you quickly fall behind it. Okay, Dex. Um, Make one more perception check. Alrighty, nine. Let's see. Eventually I'll remember what I have. Yeah, plus one, ten. Sounds like someone's crying. Sounds like you hear, yeah, someone definitely sobbing. At least that's what you can make out. Or they're laughing. But you think they're crying. That's odd, Dex. Alright, I'm going to open it. But you be quiet. Don't, you don't go bartering in there. Wait for me. All right, so make a another stealth check as you try to attempt to open this quietly. Um, yeah, this time you're not able to make it open as quietly as you'd hope. Um, the previous couple, you know, with ease. This one definitely needs some uh, WD-40 because this is. You just you step in quickly. You scan the room, and what you see: crudely executed symbols and glyphs, scribed in bright green dye, decorate this large and irregularly shaped crumbling chamber. A large pit in the center shows evidence of a recent fire. A metallic cage in the middle of the southern wall contains a gaping hole and stands empty. A small wooden bench, draped with green cloth, is next to the cage and several small objects rest on it. 
A bedroll lies near the wooden bench, and the sound of whimpering comes from inside it. <laughs> Alrighty, so the room is empty, except for this metallic cage. And next to the cage, there's a bedroll, and that bedroll appears to have something in it, and it's crying. Um, I'm going to have you make a animal handling check, because Dexter is starting to growl, and he wants to make his way towards that bedroll. Alright, 17 plus 3. So, hey, you, downward. Um, hello there. Mean you no harm, just, um, you're not alone anymore. Nothing happens. Alright, Dex, keep an eye out. I'm gonna go see what's going on over here. Um, you eye, there's a door at the end of the room, um, kind of straight ahead, past the, past the wooden bench with the knickknacks on it. Um, maybe about 30 feet forward. There's a door, and then it looks like there's a couple more doors, actually, um, to the southern west wall. So around the cage, if you were to move. But, uh, alrighty, here we go. You're gonna, gonna walk over here. You're gonna move over towards the bedroll. Uh, hey, uh, once again, I just want to inform you that you're not alone here. We don't mean you any harm. Um, and you, you kind of do your best to kind of take your longbow and, and kind of use the pointy end of it and uh, remove some of the bedroll. And um, what you see is a is a kobold. There's a kind of a dragon, small little dragon-looking creature, reptile. They're not really a dragon, but reptile-looking creature. Um, has a loincloth on and is holding, um, is holding like a, a leash, it looks like. And he's, he's kind of rolling around sobbing. He he makes eye contact with you, but he, then he kind of turns back over and f puts his back against you. Ah, uh, sorry, yeah, I'm rather confused. Uh, are you injured? Uh, if you need help, you know, let me know. Doesn't look like you're bound to anything. Um, you you understand common by any chance? Have you have you seen uh, a couple kids here? That sounds like they were uh, in this area looking for a couple kids or. Uh, possibly goblins after some some fruit you know where you you keep the fruit here or have you, have you seen the kids it's about all all i'm really able to do you speak common you're a friend with goblin <laughs> at this point he he gets out of the, the bedroll and kind of stands up um not not fully he's on one knee at this point uh no not not, not friend with goblin um Looking for a goblin. They have fruit. Do you know where fruit is? Me don't know. Fruit? Have you seen dragon? Me Meeper lose. The clan's dragon, we lost it. The wretched goblin store it. Still Kalkrick's our dragon. Uh, no, I haven't I've not seen the dragon. Sorry, apologies. Um... But, uh, you, goblin, you said? You've seen the goblin? Which way did they go? Meeple don't, don't know, but, um, Eustrid knew. She does know. Um, Eustrid knows. Meeple, take your safe passage if you promise to make nice. Maybe if you promise to rescue our dragon. Eustrid, she'll show you. She'll show you. Come on, follow me. You help Meepo up, and as you're doing so, you kind of check the, I guess, altar behind him. And 
I'll have you make a a perception check for a couple things. One for the altar, and then one for the the rest of the room here. Let's take a look. Alrighty. Um, so the altar you notice, um, at least as far as you can tell, it seems like an altar. Um, there's a couple little things here and there that seem to have some type of value. There's a green dye, paintbrush, goblin hair bristles. There's four teeny jade figurines of dragons worth probably about 15 gold each. You realize that it's a shrine, so you're not really, you're not really going to mess with it, especially in front of Meepo. But you probably wouldn't even if Meepo wasn't there. As you're doing that, you kind of look past the altar and up the wall, and you notice something written in Draconic. You read it over, and you make eye contact with Meepo, who's looking at you as you read, and you give him a little smile, and uh, you head with him as he tugs at your your hand, um, and you follow closely behind Meepo as he makes his way out the room. Not the way you came, but another door. Walk past the fireplace, your dog Dex patiently follows behind you, and you exit the door with Meepo. You follow closely behind Meepo, he opens the door, and in you walk. You are looking down a, a rather long hallway, about 80 feet long, 10 feet wide. The floor is just the same as, as when you went in. You can tell this is was once a, a very nice, well-kept castle. I mean, got stone cement work almost underneath your feet. Far less dust in this room, and uh, a lot more noises going on. Not loud by any means. But um, these stone walls tend to echo, so you can hear kind of some some chatting going on. Hear some clanging of pots and pans, possibly. You can hear some moaning and some yelling a little bit. And about ten feet later, you take a right, and Meepo is leading you down the path, continuing forward. Um, you're no longer going down that long hallway. You took a right, and you're going up. Um, Meepo has some pep in his step. Um, you wouldn't have realized it when you first found him. He was looking kind of ragged, but he is uh, found new life, and he's walking with purpose, and he's almost giddy, at least as far as you can tell from Kobold. You're not super familiar with those. It's your first time meeting one, and he is moving with purpose, and you're closely behind him. You've got your dog even closer, and uh, Meepo makes his way forward, and out you walk into this massive open courtyard. And you see a double row of relief-carved marbled columns, which march the length of a long hall, very large, long hall. The worn carvings depict entwing dragons. And you see one, two, three. Immediately you see three kobolds. But these aren't ordinary kobolds, these are kobold elites. They are wearing armor, and they have weapons by their side, and they are staring Meepo down, and the first one that you see marches over to you, and he starts speaking to Meepo immediately. And he starts speaking in Draconic. And at this point, I should probably let you know that Dempsey, the ranger, speaks and reads Draconic. Not very well, but um, he understands it. And growing up in Greenus, he had access to the shrine. It's actually a rather large shrine in Greenus. Definitely the priority of that town, it seemed like much larger than the town hall at Oakhurst, much larger than any building in Oakhurst. But there his his family were loyal patrons. As a youngling, Dempsey 
was there with his family at the shrine and had access to countless books and teachers. So over the years, Dempsey's picked up a couple languages, and Draconic is one of them. Though if he tried to have a full-on conversation with one of these kobolds, it might not be nearly as fluid as, as someone who's lived it, but he does understand it. Which I should probably reveal that that message in the previous room he read and understood, and it was written, Here there be dragons. Which makes sense, seeing the metallic cage and the talks of dragons, and rumor that this shrine, this sunken citadel, was once operations to the cult of the dragon, the very cult that tracked, that attacked the village of Creenist. So, as all this is going on, the kobold elite makes his way over to Meepo and make a perception check. 13, 14. Um, this kobold, though it's difficult to tell on a kobold, is not pleased, and especially so at Meepo. And maybe you too, but he's talking to Meepo right now. Ah, Meepo, you should not have come back. Eustrel does not want you here. Meepo bring friend. We look for dragon together. Me, me need to speak with Eustrel. No, Meepo. At this point, you're sitting at a T. Um, to the right of you, there's probably about 10 feet of of walkway. And then you see a big, heavy, heavy wooden door. And behind that, you can hear some, some pots and pans. And you can hear... You know, people moving around. And then to your right, straight ahead, there's the elite card speaking with you and Meepo. And then if you look all the way down to your left, you can see past these pillars, series of pillars, there are a couple more elite guards there. And then what appears to be a altar that is kind of carved out to be a seat. And above that seat, um, looks like there's a, like a head of a dragon. And that's about as far as you can see. And there's someone sitting in that at seat at the moment. And it looks like, looks like they're having a conversation with some of the elite guards. It looks like a kobold, as far as you can tell. Um, just dressed a little differently, with like long, flowing white robe. Yeah, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry. You silence. You too, Meepo. I told you you should not have come back. What part of Banish don't you understand? <clears throat> there. He grabs Meepo by, kind of by the neck, and he drags him over to the door, which is to your right. Um, he knocks on the door rather loudly, and he yells something in Draconic. It's hard to kind of understand exactly what he's saying. You're kind of just sitting there, and he, he looks back at you. You too. Seems like you've befriended someone who's not well, well-liked well at the moment. And you, as you're looking at him, the, the door opens, the wooden door opens, and he, he steps through. He brings Meepo with him, and you... Look to your left, and you see a couple other elite guards staring at you, and they're kind of, they haven't moved, but they're, you know, they easily could. They're kind of clutching their weapons. And you decide that it's probably best to listen to this elite guard. So you, you follow Meepo and the guard through this room. And as soon as you walk through this room, you realize this is kind of their living quarters here. It's filled with, with cooking fires, which there are cauldrons kind of boiling and bubbling. And then it looks like there's maybe young kobolds, and also just like, I guess, commoner kobolds, just, you know, not military trained. And there's a couple in there that, you know, do have weapons or so, um, but you can tell, okay, this is kind of where they live. There's bed rolls and lots of food. Rather smoky, not the most ventilated here, 
but um, it's it's lit with torches and and fires, um, several cooking fires. So this is definitely where they're living. And there's a lot more kobolds in here than you realized. Meepo and you stay here. As you and Dex walk in, he says those lines, and then he quickly uh, makes his way out and slams the door. And there's a there's a latch in the back, so it's pretty much locked for the most part. Be difficult to get in. And you hear him take a few steps, and he's he's gone. You're under the assumption he's going to get used real. You look at Meepo, who seems to just be blindly following those instructions. He doesn't seem worried at all, which might be a good thing or might be a bad thing. You you look from side to side again at the room, which is still quite smoky and hazy. So, to your surprise, most of these kobolds don't really seem to be paying much attention to you. They are kind of looking at Meepo and making a perception check. Alright, 14. Yeah, they don't seem too pleased with Meepo. Some of them you know, make an eye contact with Meepo, and as soon as Meepo looks at them, they kind of turn their back and, you know, try to avoid a conversation with them, and they continue doing their tasks. As you're looking around, and you're doing a good job kind of holding the collar of your dog, you realize there's about 24, give or take, 24 kobolds here. So yeah, I think you made the right decision, not, not bothering those elite guards and heading right towards their queen, basically. And you, you look back at, at Meepo and... Alright, Meepo. I mean, you know better than anyone. Uh, what's the plan here? You think Eustreel's ready to speak with us? Think this is uh, it's going alright for you here? Kinda kind of not the uh, welcome I was expecting. I know you... Sounds like you lost the dragon, but I... Getting the... Kinda getting the feeling that things aren't going too well for you right now. Meepo is ig ignoring you for the most part. And he walks over to the, the first campfire here and attempts to grab some of the food off of the off the spigot here that's kind of rotating. Looks like a rat, maybe. Not as big as the ones you've you've caught or killed earlier, but for, as far as you can tell, it looks like a rat. The person, or the kobold manning the spigot, slaps uh, Meepo's hand pretty hard. And they kind of get into a verbal altercation, and then Meepo scampers away. And he walks over to the next set of campfires and, and tries the same thing and this time he, he's successful kind of like an elderly kobold seems to for the most part allow or doesn't have the ability to stop Meepo from taking some of the food that's rotating and he takes a, a leg looks like possibly or an arm it's hard to tell he takes a decent chunk off one of the um, rotating rats that's smoldering on the fire spinning around on the, on the metal spigot and he, and he walks back over to you and he attempts to I mean, he's already eating some of it, but he attempts to give some of it to Dex. So, how does Dex handle this? Let's do a, a... I mean, let's do an animal handling check here for Meepo. Alright. Um, Meepo's so unthreatening looking that Dex is not worried at all, so he just willingly accepts the, the food and scarfs it down. Uh, yeah, Meepo, did you hear what I was saying there? Things... Things aren't going kind of how I thought they would go here. Is Eustrail, Eustrail like you? Is this, is this kind of normal for you? Kind of, didn't get the best vibes when I got here. Food? The rat? Ah, jeez, thank you. You grab a handful of greasy, smoldering rat meat. You smile and he's, he's, you know, not 
letting go eye contact. You know, he's he wants you to eat it. He's gonna make sure you eat it. And you know, Dempsey being the the nice guy. Oh, thank you. Just attempts to scarf it down and chew on it. It's awfully gritty. It's still a lot of hair. I mean, they didn't bother to to skin it, so it's not not the best. But you are more familiar with wild game, so you you stomach it for the most part. And um, yeah. You take a seat next to the fire where the elderly kobold is cooking and uh, Meepo continues to kind of pick at it and Dex is pleased with the outcome and what goes on for about about an hour or so goes on as you know you're there Meepo's there no one's really talking to Meepo except for this elderly who's not really talking to Meepo but is just allowing this to happen Meepo does scurry off for a couple minutes and it seems like he has like a pile of supplies in a corner each kobold seems to have their own little area in this room and you can what from what you can tell looks like uh, meepo does have a little almost like a locker you can say a little pile in a corner with them um, looks like a cage it's hard to tell he's kind of far away quite a large room you know you're, you're right in the middle of it so and there's like i said there's 24 kobolds in here scurrying around doing their task and smoky so it's difficult to see but it looks like Meepo has a series of like small cages and some of them seem to be containing like a wild animal. As far as you can tell, it looks like insects and possibly a, a rodent of some sort. Maybe a rat. And he, he comes back. Looks like he didn't really grab too much, but he was kind of almost taking inventory of his supplies, it looked like. And as the hour goes by, I mean, you can't help but kind of, you know, in your mind, keep keep reminding yourself of you know why you're here, why you're in the sunken citadel in the first place. And your quest is one that requires haste so you're doing your best to kind of remain calm and and you think it's probably in your best interest to to wait until you were fetched but you can't help but think that you know you're wasting a lot of time here but that hour goes by as far as you can tell in the smoky room an hour goes by and the wooden door receives a knock one of the kobolds nearby listens for another draconic staying and he opens up the the heavy wooden door which we came through and it's a cobalt elite could be the very same cobalt elite that you saw it's hard to tell you're not too familiar with this area and you just you know kind of looking at all these phases you're not sure if it's the same one you assume it is and he he calls your calls meepo by name our meepo you it's time and you hop up meepo runs you know tripping over the fire practically he runs and scurries underneath the cobalt elite. He makes his way into the main courtyard where all those pillars were. And you follow quickly behind him, not really realizing how fast you had to go, but you, and you try to keep pace. You're trying to mimic Meepo's mannerisms almost. You're not sure what's considered polite or rude, but you're also kind of sure that Meepo's not, maybe not the best role model right now. But you, you try to keep up with Meepo and you walk past the elite guard and he stops you with a spear. And he, he whacks Meepo kind of like in the in the thigh with his spear. And he stops and scurries around on the, on the um, stone ground. And then the elite guard shrugs and rolls his eyes, it looks like, as far as you can tell. And he makes sure he makes sure that he is kind of the one leading. And he, f- he walks towards the end of this long courtyard and makes sure both of you are following behind him. And he makes his way towards that big old throne room where you saw the kobold dressed in the white robes. A short throne stands near the west wall, constructed of fallen bits of masonry stacked against an old altar. 
On the top of the altar sit a variety of small items. The portion of the altar that serves as the throne's back features a carving of a rearing dragon. A metallic key is held firmly in the dragon's open jaws. Ugh, just when I thought. Couldn't get any worse down here. Here you are yet again to prove me wrong, Meepo. And who have you brought with us today? Meepo, bring help. Meepo, bring help. Find dragon. Uh, that's good enough there, Meepo. I got it from here. Yes, the name's Dempsey. I am in search of two missing children, as well as a fruit that the goblin possess. And that is why I'm here. I'm sorry to, to intrude on your, on your domain here. Simply on a, on a quest to retrieve that fruit and uh, save a couple children, if possible. And Meepo is saying here that you are the one in, in charge, obviously, just by looking at you. You are the one in charge here. So if you don't mind, I, I will be on my way here shortly. I'm just, if you could ever just point me in the direction of where I need to go, I, I will no longer bother you anymore. Very well. Meepo, any word on Calcrix or the two guards that were with you? No Calcrix? No, just me. And remind me why we keep you around here, Meepo. Is your title not Keeper of the Dragon? Yet, we have no dragon. Be gone with you, Meepo. Gather your things. And for you, Dempsey, let us continue our conversation in private. Be gone with you two. The two elite guards that are at the side of the altar with Eustril both bow simultaneously. And they follow behind Meepo as Meepo runs back towards the door with all the commoners, that room that we was originally at. And you assume that he's gathering his stuff that was in his locker or his corner of the room. <sighs> well, Meepo did one good thing today. He brought Mew to the right person. I know everything there is to know about this place. So you're on the right hands now. We will help you if you help us. I have a couple things I need. One, as I'm sure Meepo's already told you, he lost our dragon. Again. Those thieving goblins took him from us. So, you go ahead and retrieve our dragon. I'll give you just about anything you want. I will personally escort you down to the lower level, where you can retrieve that fruit. And for the second task, Meepo was not alone. I wouldn't trust him with the dragon. Not like that. Been burned too many times by that fool. Meepo was accompanied by two other guard members. They're most likely still alive. The goblins probably took them and are holding them hostage. So, you retrieve those two guard members for us, or if you retrieve Calcrix, which I doubt you have the ability to do, we will help you. As for those missing children, rumor has it that there were a couple kids in here. A couple humans. Possibly more. There's track of the amount of thieves and trespassers that parade our halls. They're most likely with those guard members of mine. And if they're not there, then maybe they are down with Balak the Outcast. Right now you're on the upper level. This is our domain. And unfortunately we're sharing it with the goblins as of lately. But below us is Balak the Outcast. He's been down there for years, growing magical fruit, which I'm sure is what you're after now. He calls it the Gathias tree. A wicked tree that produces fruit twice a year. Some that heal, and some that steal. That's probably where you want to head. However, you'll have a difficult time reaching the lower levels. Not without the help of kobolds, or the help of goblins. So, you are free to leave, 
And if you wish to venture on without the help of kobolds, good luck. But you won't make it far. So you can either turn around and leave my domain, or you will help us. You will retrieve our dragon, or you will retrieve our guard members. And you're taking Meepo with you. No exceptions on that. Oh, wow, thank you very much for all that information. You've been ex extremely generous. Uh, I do have a couple more questions, and I'm sorry to be wasting your time. I know you are very busy, but uh, you said uh, Meepo was with those guard members, yet they only took two of the guard members and the dragon. Um, how, do you th how did Meepo live? Doesn't seem like a, like a natural fighter to me. Oh, Meepo, yes. He is very weak, and he is not a fighter by any means. Meepo has actually been captured more than anyone I've ever met. Over a dozen times, most likely, he's been captured by those goblins. Each time he finds his way back, so I'm sure they, they've realized we'll no longer barter for his life, so they knew it was a waste. <sighs> and yes, you are taking Meepo with you. He's a fool, but he knows this hall. He knows this level more than, more than any of the other kobolds here, that's for sure. Like I said, he's been captured more than anyone I've met. So he knows this area very well. He may act like a fool, and he is a fool, but he will be a good guide for you. So, as soon as he gathers his things, you are to take Meepo, and Meepo will show you where to go. Number one priority is I want my dragon back, but I don't think you'll be able to do that. So the two guard members, if you can retrieve those, I will be very pleased. Yes, for sure. I, once again, thank you very much. You've been beyond, beyond helpful. Um, yeah, I'm sorry for trespassing. I had no idea. Um, why, why do you choose to, to stay in this area if it's any under, you know, constant attack of the goblins? This is our domain. This is our right to live here. Kobolds are heir to dragons. As the mightiest among my people, I have led a brave few to this ancient holy site where dragons were worshipped long ago. So this is our area. This is our right. Goblins. I have no business being here. Unfortunately, like I said, they're being backed by that druid. So it's just a never-ending battle. Eventually, we're hoping that druid would lose interest, but he seems to be ever obsessed with that tree. You'll see soon enough, if you're successful. Uh, here he is. Here's Meepo now. So you, you turn around, and you see this kobold walking back. And to your surprise, it is Meepo. But it does not look like Meepo. And a um, little behind the scenes here, I got this idea from um, another YouTuber. And so I'll link his um, his video in the comment section or in the description section because he, he kind of recommended changing Meepo into a gob or kobold inventor, which is a cool idea. And I decided to copy it here. So we are going to change Meepo's stats from Meepo to the Cobalt Inventor. And so you take a look here at Meepo, and he looks like, all of a sudden, just looks like a completely different person. He looks actually capable of, of doing damage. The first thing you notice is that he is holding a spear. It looks like a spear. The closer he gets, you realize it is not a spear, it's a staff. And at the end of the staff, kind of where the, the spear portion would be, there is a giant scorpion tightly tied to the end of that stick, and he's got a, a big stinger and it's kind of you know moving from side to side, like just waiting to, to touch skin. And I at Meepo's back, 
is that large cage that you saw him wrestling around with earlier in that room. And he's got a, a skunk in that cage and it's tied tightly to his back with leather. And he's being held in a small little wooden cage that's slightly too small. And then to the side of Meepo, he's got a dagger. He's got some other little knickknacks. Um, looks like some vials. And looks like a, another little box there. And it looks like it could be centipedes. It could be other scorpions. It's hard to tell. But he's completely decked out from head to toe with just paraphernalia and crazy little weaponry. And yeah, to your surprise, you're like, okay, this is way different than the person we just met. This actually looks like a, a decent ally to have. Looks like he can actually do some damage here. He's no longer you know, squirming around in just a loincloth on the ground crying. He's got a bit of a bit of a mean streak to him. You know, still the same brain, but you know, you're pleasantly surprised. Okay, looks like I actually might have a little bit of help here if we do run into goblins. Alrighty, Repo. You will take him. You are to retrieve Calcrix, or you are to retrieve the guard members. Do not come back empty-handed. Not again, Repo. My patience is wearing extremely thin. You come back empty-handed, you are banished. For good. I'm no longer feeding you. Like I said, your title is Keeper of the Dragon, yet you have no dragon. We have no use for you, Meepo. So do not disappoint me again. Both of you be gone, for I change my mind. The three of you scurry out the way you came. You actually go down the hall, and you take a left, and you head back to the room that held the metallic cage. So you are now you know, trying to keep up with Meepo, who's scurrying quite quickly you know, with his um, cage of bugs and skunks clattering and all of his vials and pots and pans and whatnot, all his weaponry clinging behind him. You quickly turn, and instead of going out the original door in which you came, you you head further north in the same room still, over the fireplace, past the metallic cage, past the little altar, and you turn right. And there's a large wooden door. Meepo knocks on it quickly and yells something in a draconic. And it sounds like he's saying tickle corn, though you're not quite sure. It's been a while since you've used that language, read it, or even heard it for that matter. And he opens the door quickly after waiting a minute or so. And he scurries down the hall. You're keeping up with him as quickly as you can. About 20 feet or so, you head down the stone, stone pathway. You take a quick right. And now it's like about a five foot wide, narrow little hall. And you scurry down that for another 15, 20 feet. And you take a left. And you're now looking down like a 40 foot long path. And you, once again, are working very hard to keep up with Meepo. And you yell out yell out to him. Hey, hey, Meepo, Meepo, wait, slow down. Just a moment. Meepo turns quickly and stops. And does a bit of like a sliding stop. He kind of, his feet and claws kind of skid through the, the sand debris that are covering this, the stone walkway here. Uh, Meepo, I appreciate the, the quickness here, for sure. The, the urgency is um, appreciated. But uh, before we go, I, I, man, I have a few questions. Uh, number one, you, not really a question, but you look good. I mean, you look pretty, pretty sweet, actually. Um, don't want to know exactly how you got all this stuff, but I'm, Pleasantly surprised. You look like you fought many battles, or at least you could cause quite the commotion. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to use it though. And uh, number two, that uh, Eustrail. Not a uh, kind of scared of her. To be honest with you. 
Sorry you have to deal with that every day. I thought, thought my parents were hard to work for. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, b- b- before we move on, um, I do have questions about that, uh, that, uh, that dragon. Um, but before we move forward, is there anything you can kind of tell me? As you stare blankly at him. Or as he stares blankly at you, you hope, you know, that he understood at least a portion of that. Yeah, yes, Meepo understand you. Meepo understand boy. Small little boy. Meepo listen to you. Meepo know. The dragon is white dragon. We worship Calcrix. Calcrix is, is ours. And Cablin stole it. So you will come now. You listen, Meepo. I'm, I'm in charge. So you be quiet. You follow me. Keep up. Hey, um, well, I mean, I'm glad you, you understood what I was saying, but don't appreciate that tone, Meepo, to be honest with you. Um, how tall, how, how big is this dragon? Can it, can it fit through this doorway here? I, I mean, I guess if it fit in that cage, it's probably not super big. Um, I have a, I have a, I, I have a suggestion here, Meepo. Um, unfortunately, actually, uh, Eustrail told me that I'm in charge, so sorry to break the, break the news to you, buddy. But uh, I'm the boss now, and you you have to listen to me. That's what Eustrio said. So make a deception check, because she did not say that. Do, do, do. Say, probably not super high, because Meepo's Meepo. Deception here. Well, you got exactly what you need. You got a 10. Right, Meepo? Not in charge, Eustrio? So you are in charge? Duh. Just, uh, uh, I... You're a leader. Yes, I am. Yes, I am a leader. Glad you realize that. I make th- I know things are a little awkward right now, but believe me, I'm very capable. So, Meepo, glad you got all your equipment here. Uh, change of plans. I know you wanted to get Calcrick specs uh, quickly, but I say we get your two guard members, your two buddies. We get them, and they can help us get Calcricks. Does that sound like a plan? So, Meepo, listen to you, if that's... Okay, I'll take you there. You gotta keep up, though. But be careful, we... A lot of traps. And goblins are very close. So, shut up. Uh, once again there. Don't appreciate that tone, but alrighty. <sighs> Lead the way, then, here. So, this time, Meepo approaches the... Once again, heavy wooden door. However, this time he does not knock. He just swings it open violently. And the first thing you see is just a large, square, rather boring-looking room. This chamber is home only to rat droppings, crumpled flagstone, and stains. And if you're following along at home, this is room number 25. So, however, straight ahead, there is another door. And that door is open. And make a perception check. Mother effort. One plus one, two. So you hear nothing and see nothing. You walk out front. Your um, dog is at your side. You're in this room. It's rather dusty. And I'll have you make a make a perception check and then make a survival check. Oops, I dropped my dice. So we're gonna have to do the old click. All right. So when I say perception check, perception check's good. Eighteen and survival. Nine. All right. So you scan the room and you're looking for tracks. 
tracks in the dust and you end up after only, a, you know, not even a minute. I mean, you're, you're a ranger, hunter, trapper, done this most of your life, though you're not very old. Still, you've lived it. You end up finding some tracks which are made by rats through the dust, large rats, and one possibly massive looking rat. Maybe it's a goblin. It's hard to tell, but you see rats and humanoids. That's about as much as you can tell. It's hard to tell exactly how old they've been, but you know there's been been movement here. Movement by rats and movement by humanoids. Meepo is watching you, um, whether it be out of spite or out of you know jealousy. He's no longer, he's waiting almost for your permission to continue on. So he's just kind of, you know, not doing anything except for the minimum almost, since you are the one in charge. While that is going on, Roll a d6. You're lucky. One. You roll a one. So as you're focused on the ground, same with your dog, who's, you know, kind of sitting down now, um, you look up and through the doorway, you hear something coming. And as you see there, there's a silhouette in the doorway. And that silhouette is a skeleton. It just looks like animated bones. The creature appears to be nothing but a set of bones. Pinpoints of red light smolder in its empty eye sockets. The bones animate together while grabbing a weapon as it heads in your direction, lurching forward. And it is grasping a busted up sword. It's just like a sword, like a short sword or a cutlass. It's hard to tell. It's been cracked off at the end, but still just as pointy. Most of its yeah, most of its outfit, which is leather, is you know, almost completely gone, deteriorated. Bits of metal in here, like from the belt, and obviously the weapon, still hold on, still intact. And I'll have you roll for initiative against this one skeleton. All right, the order I've already rolled to save time. It is Dempsey, the skeleton. So Dempsey goes first, and then so on. But um. So with lightning speed, Dempsey pulls back, grabs an arrow, knocks it on his bow. Oh man, that's not good. And with, without thinking, he just lets it rip. Alrighty, so 21 to hit. That will hit five points of damage. I'm seeing what its immunities are. All right, so cool. Alrighty. So the arrow flies and sticks right in the skeleton's chest. Cracks a couple ribs in the process. Right through the sternum, into the back of the spine. Yeah, and it is unfazed, and it continues to lurch forward. Alrighty, that will leave the skeleton's, skeleton's turn. So skeleton is going to make a swing with his short sword, or his cutlass, and he's going to attack Meepo, because Meepo kind of had his back to the door and was facing the group as they were looking around for tracks. So, I know that is nothing, so nine total. That will miss. So, the skeleton's not very fast. It slowly raises up its cutlass, and then just comes slamming down with it. it sparks into the stone flooring, and that will leave up next Dexter the dog. So, the Dex um, makes a running leap past Meepo, and turns around and jumps towards the femur. 
of the skeleton here. And that is a natural 20. So yes, that'll hit. Let's see. I'll just... And he's using the bite, which is 1d6 plus 1, which is a 6 and a 5. All right, so that's enough. Like I said, Mastiff runs past Meepo, skids in the sand, dives forward. I mean, this is a giant dog. Enough for, for Dempsey to ride on the back of it. Leaps towards the femur, takes one, not one, but two. Takes both femurs in the process. Click, click. And they crunches down on his jaws. And they splinter and they crack, crunch. And in the process, everything above those femurs, the hips, the ribs, spine, the skull, everything just comes crumbling down. It's just a pile of bones now. And just as that was happening, one more skeleton emerges from the, the doorway. You see it once again, another silhouette as it starts making its way forward. This one has the, the same, same build, um, same set of weapons, it looks like. However, it's holding, holding a longbow in one hand and holding, and holding a sword in the other hand. And it is that one's turn to attack. He's going to attack um, Dexter the dog. So it looks like that will hit 11 plus the plus the four. Yep, 15 that will hit. So he lets a rip with the longbow. And that is a 1d6 plus two, five, seven. So somehow that bow has held up through how many years, if not decades, possibly centuries, that this um, skeleton has been locked away roaming these halls or wherever it's been, the bowstring held on for one last pull, at least for now, and with great force. I mean, whatever this creature was before, it was just a pile of bones now, but whatever it was in the past was something that was uh, quite formidable and rather strong, strong enough to pull this giant bow back without assistance. And it came screaming across the hall through the doorway and, you know, maybe 10 feet forward. And just downward towards Dexter the dog and just goes through the, the leather harness and through the back. And Dexter is very injured. Not dead. He's not out yet. He's not knocked out. But you hear the yelp and the arrow goes sliding through. Alrighty, now it is Meepo's turn. So Meepo just watched Dexter basically save his life and then in return get a screaming arrow right to the right to the back. So Meepo spins around, and he attempts to hit the skeleton with his sling. Though he's got a ton of goodies on him, pulls out a leather sling, and that's enough. 15 plus the whatever. I know that hits. Alrighty. So the sling is 1d4 plus 2. That's not good. So four points of damage. Alright. So that brings us back to the top of the round, and it is Dempsey. Um, duh. Dempsey's not happy. Oh man, are you all right there, Dex? S step aside, Meepo. And he, and he sidesteps. Oh, I got a good line on him. And let's rip with his longbow. Ooh, 13. Does that hit? Yes, that's exactly what you need there, Dempsey. So, Dempsey pulls his longbow, quickly steps to the right past Meepo to get a clear shot at the doorway where the, the second skeleton is, is standing. And he does nine points of damage, which is exactly what you need. He had 13 health. And four, 
right through the eye socket and just boom, shatters the skull. Like practically 100 pieces. And it crumbles in the doorway. Oh my, Dex, Dex. He runs past the group and slides to the, oh, you are right, Dex. Meepo runs to the doorway and scans the, the room that the skeletons came through in search of any more of a threat. As Dempsey is knelt over the dog, the group, at least for now, lives to fight another day. And I think right now is actually a great time to end this session. So I appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you, and goodbye.